may be seated. Psalm 57, a mixtam of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth His mercy and His truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. For they have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 14 to the close of the book. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves.
from idols. Amen. Again, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. As I have read those two verses, I would dare say that the same thing jumped into your head that always jumps into my head. Wait a minute, Lord! I don't see every prayer that I have cried out to you in authentic faith answered. God's reply, my answers aren't always what you imagined they ought to be. My answers are not always what you imagine they ought to be. How quickly, when we have a problem, when we have an issue, whether praying for ourselves or other people, do we want, the, we want that issue to be addressed how quickly? Right now. <laughs> Let's get it done, Lord. Let's get it done. You know what God's agenda is? You know what God's number one agenda for you and for me is? To drive us into the image of His Son. To make us in our character, our moral character, our spiritual outlook, vision, imita- Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God. We are to be Christ-like. Was Jesus tempted, tested? Well, we know of the 40 days in the wilderness. We know of what he dealt with with the enemy when, when he became hungry. At the end of the 40 days, he becomes hungry, which means, and he knows that he's actually begun to starve to death. When Satan comes to him, hey, here's some way well, you can turn stones into bread. Why don't you do this? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He stood against Lucifer. He stood against Lucifer. He stood against Lucifer three times. Then Lucifer fled, and angels brought him food. But it was a test that Jesus went through. And we are to draw an analogy for ourselves from that. Does God always answer our prayers according to our preconception? I would dare say hardly ever. <laughs> I can't think of an exception, in fact. But I'll just give God liberty. To, yeah. The reason we read Psalm 57, David is in a cave in Psalm 57, fleeing from Saul. This went on for years where David and then David and his men fled from Saul. They're running around until finally the Philistines, he went to the Philistines and said, could you guys give me a place to just quietly rest here? With Oh yeah, in fact, we got a couple of cities over here. We'd really like you to take over running those cities. We saw, we've seen real ability to administer on your part. Would you take over these two cities of Cherith and Peleth, by the way, when David became the king of Judah and then the king of all the nation, of all the tribes? The palace guard for David, and not just David, but through his entire dynasty, was the Cherethites and Pelethites. Because those Philistines, those Cherethites and Pelethites, saw in David someone that shocked them in his character, in his leadership ability. And they 
vowed to be his palace guard. And it went on for generations. What was David doing there in the psalm? Psalm 57. He is in the cave. A miktam of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. And what's David's prayer? Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. I would dare say that is at the top of everyone's prayer list. Be merciful to me. Be mer- Please do not give me what I deserve. I don't want justice. <laughs> I want mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy. That's what I need. That's what I need. That's what I hunger for. Mercy. David is asking for mercy. My soul trusts in you. I'm under the shadow of... And what is David doing in this psalm? He is saying, no matter how large the threat is, they can be like lions to me. I will not fear. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. They're lying about me. They're spreading false rumors about me. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. It will be years before God fully answers his outcry. By the way, God had promised him years before when he was anointed. He is going to be the king of Israel. Meanwhile, he will go through years of trials, of trials, of trials. But the, the wonderful trait that David displayed was the trait of Ready for it. We all hate this word. Patience. (laughs) I want what I want when I want it. Now. But patience is so important. What does the Holy Spirit say through James Penn in James chapter 1? Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. You have to have the Holy Spirit's power to respond that way. (coughs) Because what are you saying? Lord, no matter what the test, I know you're in charge of it. No matter the test, I know you're in charge of it. And no matter how much I am tested and put in pain and through sorrow, I know you you are in charge of the process. When Jesus was nailed to the cross... One of the promises about Jesus' experience in his crucifixion and in the entire experience was not one of his bones would be broken. They drove spikes through his wrists. By the way, the Greek word for hand is kair, and it means from the tip of the finger to the elbow. This is your hand. They drove the nails through the wrists so that so they wouldn't just tear out. There is this place there in your wrist where they can drive and you've got these bones here in the bottom of your palm that will hold you in place. Otherwise, if they put it through the palm of your hand, it would just tear out. So they're driving the nails through his wrist. There's plenty of bones there. The angle of that nail had to be perfect. When they laid his feet on top of one another and drove a spike through his overlapped feet, Foot bones are very fragile. And you've got these bones laying across. They drove that nail at such a perfect angle that it did not break any of his foot bones. 
before that, when the soldiers of Herod Antipas had beaten him, they didn't break any of the orbital ridge. They didn't break his jaw. They didn't break any of his facial bones, even though they were giving it everything they had in beating him. And when they came to end the crucifixions, they broke the leg bones of the two men with him because they were still alive. And they would break the legs so that they would, they, you had to be able to push yourself up to breathe. They would collapse because now their legs are broken and they would suffocate. Jesus had already dismissed his spirit. The Roman soldiers understood that. They took a, a spear and pierced his side. Zechariah chapter 12, they will look on, they, a yet future event, the Jewish people in Jerusalem will look on me whom they pierced. They drove that probably through his rib cage, but they didn't break any ribs, and ribs are very fragile. But they saw the fluids as separated. Roman soldiers knew that meant he's authentically dead. We don't need to break his legs. And so here Jesus going through all of this, not one of his bones is broken. Well, yeah, there was a lot of pain involved anyway. Why is that? What's that telling us? Jesus' whole experience, when it looks like God is completely lost. God is, nothing is happening according to God's will. It was all according to God's will. Because God's will was that God the Son, who had become flesh, would take sin's penalty upon himself. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Jesus stepped into the immediate embrace of his Father. That is the ultimate destination for all of us. Are we walking a difficult path here in this life? Everybody is. Lots and lots of different definitions of what that looks like. But everybody leads. Why? Because God is loyal to us. His ultimate goal for you and me is to drive us into the image of His Son so that when we step into His presence, He can empty the treasury in kingdom gifts on us. He wants to reward us according to the measure of our loyalty to His Son. That is the standard of gifting to us in that kingdom to come. And folks, the day is coming when that's the only thing that's going to matter to us is that we have this glad welcome with God and we are going to be shocked. We don't even know what treasures look like. We've got all these weird magazines and all this stuff. Oh, look at this guy's mansion. Look at this guy. You know, all this stuff that people want to elevate and idolize. Stuff, stuff. stuff. That's all going away. The things of this world are going away. But he who does the will of God will endure forever. We will be in the forever presence of the holy God. And he will he understands that's our ultimate destination and he wants to pour out immeasurable kingdom glory on us. That's why James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, steadfastness. And that has a positive outcome for us. What does John say? to us he's been talking about prayer now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us 
but don't tell God what the answer has to look like. Because the ultimate answer is the kingdom glory we will be stepping into as an outcome of the testing that we're incited to prayer over. But sometimes the prayer is immediate. Sometimes the answer is immediate, but very often it is a days long, weeks long, years long, stepping to his presence, testing. This is the confidence that we have in him, that we have asked anything according to his will. He hears us. He is listening to us with favor. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, let's put this statement into context. John is saying, as we understand God, we will receive what we know from the promises of the Scripture and the declarations about our God. We will receive the petitions that we have asked from him. David, again, Psalm 57, David is in this cave. He's going to be fleeing from Saul, and not just him, but the band of men that joined themselves to him over the years. They're going to be fleeing, and this is going to go on for a long time. But the day came when David took the throne. And for seven, seven and a half years, he was king only of Judah. And then the other tribes who had been witnessing the outrageous blessing that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had been pouring out on the tribe of Judah under David's rule, came to him and said, uh, <clears throat> Would you do us a favor and let and become our king too? <laughs> we want some of that blessing. Oh, yeah, I can do that. David didn't make it happen. He allowed God to make it happen. Twice, David had opportunities to kill Saul. And he turned away from those opportunities because he was not going to do an unrighteous thing in order to help the righteous God. No, the righteous God doesn't need help. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's interesting in the Psalms how many times does David say, Lord, look at me, look at me. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in torment. I'm in difficulty. I'm in difficulty. But I know you hear me. I know you are observing it. I know you're the loyal God. Every one of those psalms where he is expressing problems, he also expresses trust. God is not offended when you tell him about your pain. He's not offended by that. But he also asks for your trust in the midst of the pain. And we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That day is coming when we will all, we'll all stand in his presence and the full answer of our prayers be handed to us. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he shall give and he, God, shall give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. Well, what are the sins leading to death? Murder and adultery? You see your brother committing a sin that would bring him execution, leading to death. 
And God will step in and take away someone's life if they're bringing defamation on him, if they are called a brother. Well, let's turn back for just a moment to Matthew chapter 18. This is Jesus addressing the same issues. Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If he repents of the harm he brought to you or the injustice he brought to you, uh, you've gained your brother. That's your goal, is to regain your brother. Put his feet back on the right path. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, this is all from the book of Leviticus, this is all from the law of God, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word might may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Go to the leadership of the church and say, okay, this is the issue. We've sought by this means, by the prescribed means of Jesus to address this issue. He will not hear us. Take it to the church. Tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Put him out of the fellowship. Put him out of the congregation. Now, that is done to put him in isolation. Because it is in isolation that people typically will find repentance, if they're going to. It will be in isolation when they don't have anybody else next to them that they can blame for the mess they've created. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them for my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. I am there in the midst of them. I am with you in the process. God doesn't just give us an assignment and say, okay, report in when you're all done and let me know how. No, he is with us every step of the way in whatever process he sends us to. Returning to 1 John chapter 5, pray for your brother and if he has committed a sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. Murder, adultery, blasphemy against the Lord Jesus. God takes that. You know what God is most jealous of in this world? Is God the Father is most jealous in favor of the reputation of His Son and the reputation of God the Holy Spirit. Don't pray about sin leading to death. I do not say you should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin. I'm not trying to say, okay, well, the, uh, there's, the, there's the A sin and there's the B sin. The B sin, you know, don't, no, it's all sin. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is sin not leading to death. There are sins that are worse than other sins. Verse 18, John is repeating 
what he has said so often because repetition is the, is the what's needed for knowledge. For your, your second grade teacher said things to you more than once. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Now, as we've noted earlier in this whole letter, how does John start out this letter? Chapter 1, speaking to this congregation, to these people, he says, don't tell me you don't sin. Don't I'm going to tell you something. You can't not sin. That is the, the message of John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. You can't not sin. If we walk in the light, as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another between ourselves and God, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John, I'm walking in the light. Yeah, I didn't say you're the light. You're walking in the light. I'm walking in the light. I'm not the light. I'm walking in the light. You can't not sin. If anyone sins, says that he has no sin, he makes God a liar. Because God says you do. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, has the actual indwelling energy by the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to keep himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We dwell in a very, 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 very hostile environment. The world system is a creation of Lucifer designed to constantly distract us and draw us away from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of Lucifer. Now, he doesn't come out forthrightly and go, ah, ah, ah. no, he, he does it in a much more quiet way typically. But the world, our own fallen nature, which we do not have to obey anymore. Why? Because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit whose power is greater than our fallen nature. And so we can stiff arm our fallen nature by faith in God's presence and promises and walk in Him, in His presence, in His provision. But also the devil himself will come after people. The devil himself will come after people. And you need to be aware of that. Put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, the ladies will be studying that tonight. Focusing on the, the God of the armor. He who has been born of God keeps himself, guards himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. Lucifer can only touch you as you give him permission. If you open a door for him, then he can walk through that door. But it is you have the resources available to you to defeat the enemy. And one of the important features of studying the scripture is you find out what not only what God is like, what he is and how he implements his resources in our life. You also find out what the enemy is like and how he comes in. And it, once you've understood that, the wicked one cannot touch you. 
Again, as Paul cites in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And at the end of the day, Satan will flee the battlefield. We know, verse 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We dwell in a hostile environment. The whole world is living according to Satan's agenda and in sometimes some places and cultures more obvious than others, but they're also, if they are not straight out of God's word, it's in one way or another Satan's agenda. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We live in a hostile environment, but we are walking through this hostile environment in victory, in victory, in victory. In the same way that David lived for several years in the wilderness of Judea and Israel, fleeing from... Did Saul ever catch up with him? No. David succeeded. And that's analogous to our own environment and situation. We too can be victorious. Verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Ladies and gentlemen, can you imagine? Put yourself in the place of the angels. Especially the fallen angels, but even all of them. I just love that picture there in Revelation 7 where John is in heaven. He is at the throne of God. And he sees the the martyrs out of the great tribulation dressed in white robes going beyond his eyesight, singing out praises to God, holding palm branches in their hands. And what is this? These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and have had victory, and they are now dwelling in the presence of their God. They're martyrs. They're martyrs. They're victors. They're victors. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. We can implement His resources in this hostile environment that we may know Him who is true. What is Satan? He's a liar. Our God is the God of truth that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. God is not remote to us. We are in him who is true. He is surrounding us. He is surrounding us with all of who he is, that we may know him, he has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. What, why does John add those words? Because what was the mission of God the Son? To come to make mercy, grace, kindness to demonstrate the love of the father who sent him and his own love in coming that's the one who is beside us with us what does jesus say in matthew 28 the great commission go into all the world and preach the gospel and i will be with you wherever you go all of heaven's resources 
in me will be with you all times in all places. That we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. How do you define eternal life? Eternal life is not immortality. Everybody's immortal. The, the, the unredeemed are immortal. Eternal life isn't immortality. Eternal life is authentic relationship with the true and living God. This is the true God and this, what I have just described to you folks, is the very definition, says John, of eternal life. We have eternal life is a close, intimate relationship with the God who created us, who is a God of love, mercy, kindness, goodness, truth, holiness. And we walk with that God. In this environment, and that's why we can have victory after victory after victory after victory. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Earlier we talked about the world, the flesh, and the devil. What is the world John's readers live in? It is a world marked by idolatry. That is the great religious temptation to them or drawing is to follow the idols. Earlier, someone was talking about the book of Deuteronomy and how at the close of Deuteronomy, God is absolutely chewing out Israel. They're about to go into the land and conquer the land. And he is chewing them out. Why? Because of their infidelity to him. It's caused them to spend an extra 38 years in the wilderness because they refused to go in. Two years after the exodus, they refused to go in and conquer the land because we don't know that the God who smashed Egypt into a piece of mess is, has the power over these Canaanites. And so God said, okay, I'm going to let you spend an extra 38. This generation has got to die off. Another 38 years in the wilderness and now they're about, there's, there's, their descendants are now about to go in and conquer the land. And God is chewing them out because they have also been disloyal to him. They have been disloyal. But he is loyal to them. And he's going to bring them in. And they will have victory according to the measure of their faith. Did they ever conquer the whole promised land? No, they didn't even come close. Because their faith wasn't sufficient to conquer all that was there, but there is by promise. Likewise, the recipients of this letter, they live in a culture, the main, one of the main attractions is the idols. And look what Israel did. You read through the Old Testament narrative about the history of Israel, and it's like, how knucklehead can you be? They're constantly turning to pagan idols. Didn't, didn't work for the pagans. But they turn away from the chewing living God who always kept his promises in favor of the pagan gods who hardly ever did. 
hardly ever lived up to their advertising. Why? Because they wanted to govern their own lives. They were, they were rebels. They were rebels. Keep yourselves from idols. Don't follow the example of ancient Israel or the people of John's day who might have come to faith in Christ that are now perhaps being drawn back to their old format of life. No, keep yourselves from idols. That's a significant warning from them. We also can be idolaters. As someone has already mentioned, it's the things of this world. I just love those old cars. <laughs> I just love those old late 40s, early 50s. And I have to say to myself, Mark, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Life is in God, not in the stuff. Keep yourselves from idols. We aren't even going to talk about my cast iron collection. That's right, but we can make it bad. <laughs> Let's pray. This is, we've gone from preaching to meddling. Our Lord, we do thank you for your loyalty to us. You sought us out when we were that dumb, dumb, dumb sheep. You left... The, out in the wilderness, you left the 99 in the sheepfold and went out and hunted us down and brought us home on your shoulders rejoicing. Please enable us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be in your word, be people of your word, embracing your word by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, and to walk in the resource the, the word of God lays out for us. We wouldn't just understand the, the process, we would actually trust you, walk by faith in the process to our deliverance and your glory. We ask for this outcome from you, Good Shepherd Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.